0: Oh, Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and with me is John Duke. You can follow the show on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. Follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS radio network at CLNS radio. The Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans. And there's an app for iOS and Android. Just go to your app marketplace and search CLNS radio. Finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash CLNS radio for high definition. Full length locker room interviews and the garden report with Jared Weiss. So John and I are back from the break and I'll tell you what, or back this week and I'll tell you what, this team, we were a bunch of negative Nellies, John. We predicted them to go two and two and yet they end up going three and one and neither of us had
1: them having any shot against James Harden and the Houston Rockets. None zero and, and and i think if to go further if you had asked me I don't know, on Tuesday night at about ten o'clock, I would have said that the Celtics would lose the rest of their games this season. I was I was in a bad, bad mood. <laughs> Anybody who was who was who was around for that little Twitter uh tam- temper tantrum was uh you know, probably would not have been enjoying it. But you know, let's be honest. Yeah, Marcus they, Smart
0: was around for that temper tantrum.
1: He was. <laughs> and I you know, if I was in his shoes, I probably would have punched a hole in the wall uh myself. I mean it was it was terrible. Let, they played so poorly against the Wizards, and it was you know the Wizards look. This is a big game. We're we're getting up for this, and the Celtics just didn't even resemble a team that was going to rise to the challenge. They they just they cowered from the challenge. But boy, what a difference twenty four hours can make because they went in against arguably I'd say one of the five best teams in the league, and they they took it to them all night long. Great game on Wednesday and then just really kept the kept the ball rolling all the way through uh until the Bucks game on Saturday really impressive work by the Celtics uh in the latter half of this week and now they are both tied with the Toronto Raptors and way ahead right now as having the the first the first pick or the the best chance for the first pick in the NBA draft i mean that's a that's a hell of a combination right there.
0: Yeah, that three-game skid that ended against the the well, ended against the Rockets, but the final of the 3 against the Wizards, you just see yeah. Toronto stumbling and and frustrating To watch the Celtics potentially let such an opportunity to take the number two seed just slide away from them. And yet they do battle back. They find their defensive identity despite the fact that Horford, uh, missed two games. So half of the slate this week and then Bradley still is not back, missed every single one of those games. We probably would have predicted worse than a two and two record had we known that would have been the case over the stretch. I mean, yeah, sure, the the Orlando Magic was sort of a, an easy pick for a win, but the other games, Houston Rockets, that one right there, they hold them to 109 points, so that's a testament to finding their defensive identity. And the other thing is that they really need to find that defensive identity. How are they doing it with Avery Bradley is a great question because he's always been such the defensive heart and soul, and now Jalen Brown... Has started three games in a row, and um, really played quite well. I, the first game, maybe not quite, not as much, but just tacking on decent game after decent game, and and helping the and I think helping the team find that that identity. They're a lot longer and leaner for anybody else who's out there saying, "I feel like they're undersized dramatically at the guard positions." This is what Jalen gives them at the two. Is all of a sudden the length, and you can if you were concerned about Isaiah Thomas being a defensive liability, and knowing you just cannot pull him off the floor because of his offensive contributions, having a six-seven shooting guard sure does help.
1: It sure does, absolutely. And and I and I'd say all three of those those front court players, and I'm I'm gonna even though he was playing shooting guard, I'm really gonna consider Jalen as more of a more of a a three and and a small forward than anything. I think that the the effort by Crowder, Jerebko and Brown stepping up, you know, in the absence of initially it being Bradley but then Horford, really has been the difference. That's been the difference in the Celtics defense and intensity. That's the thing to me that, that really stands out is that, you know, in both of those three games, the three wins you felt the presence of Crowder. You felt the presence of Jerebko and, and, and Brown. And those guys made their, put their mark on the, on that game and to such a degree where, you know, you, you say, okay, now I see what we're getting at. I, I, I was very down on Jay Crowder, um, particularly in that game against the Wizards. I mean, he seemed out of it. You know, he'll, he'll hit shots. Everyone's pointing to the, both he and Bradley. Well, they're 40% three point shooters. I could care less about that because I would, if you give me 2006, 2016 versions of those guys who were aggressive and, and going to the bucket and in Crowder's case or defensively playing a much better game, I think the Celtics club is better than they are right now. And. Of late, you know, until going over that three-game stretch and and really even since the start of the season, neither of those players, and part of it it you can point to injury, neither of those players were really the defensive stalwarts that we were expecting or anticipating. And I think what what was said by Marcus Smart that night in, in Washington was right as rain. We're more interested in playing offense and making our shots than we are in playing defense. And whether, and Isaiah said it too, but ever since then, guys like Crowder have lived up to it. And, and kudos to them for, for, I think, really being the change. This could really be pointed to as, as a change in how this team plays going forward. Now you add Bradley, now you add Hortford back to the mix. And if they can keep that intensity up, I think we'll start to see the Celtics we thought we'd see throughout this season.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really glad that Brad changed it up the way that he did. I think one of the things that he cited was Marcus Smart and Kelly Olinick really anchoring that second unit. And because health has been an issue pretty much for the entire season, they've struggled with continuity. It almost makes so much more sense to put Jerebko and put Brown in the starting lineup. Although the Jarebko sub, What happened before Horford got hurt. So obviously he comes in instead of Amir Johnson, but a lot of us wondered, and you and I talked about it even at the very beginning of this year, was whether or not Jerebko deserved a starting spot, and that conversation continued through December. Now he finally gets his opportunity, but as a veteran, he knows how to play and it almost makes sense again to keep those rotations. I thought Amir Johnson was better, would be better coming off the bench because that second unit needs some experience and some veteran leadership. So now what Brad Stevens has done is he's got Marcus Smart and Amir Johnson and Kelly Olinick anchoring that second unit with some of the younger players. And then what it does for Jalen Brown is he's trying to learn how to play the game. But when he's out there, With other young guys who do not necessarily have it all worked out in their heads, where they're supposed to be on the court, how to do the rotations, you know, when to fight under a screen and then switch, all of that. Instead, he's out there with players who know how to play the game, so as he's kind of knowing his role, he doesn't have to overexert himself too much, but his ability to attack the basket is really nice, and he's often in a mismatch because of his length. Like you said, he's really much more of a three, like small forward, and he's played power forward a lot, but he's fast enough and athletic enough to defend the opposing team's shooting guard, and then they get a mismatch and he can post up on a shorter player which works out really well. Thank goodness they finally beat a top flight opponent in the NBA <laughs> because this was this that win against the Rockets was so huge and so needed for their confidence and we're hitting that stretch that they hit last year and they started a little bit earlier in January I think last season. But as we're getting towards the all-star break and then the final third of the season heading into the postseason, this is when they hit their stride last year. It was derailed by injuries, but we have also always said that the help, that the depth on this team would help them through. As long as Brad has figured out, maybe it's not Marcus Smart that replaces Bradley in the starting lineup because it, it discombobulates everything. Now that that's worked out, you almost can see the depth of this roster being an asset.
1: Yeah the the depth finding I think I think the injuries to to Crowder I think there's also a, an identity crisis this team was having you know and I think that you know, we people worked with, they went in the gym this summer, guys like Crowder and Bradley, they worked so hard to try to improve that part of their game. They tried to, you know, establish themselves as, you know, I'm, I'm more than just a defensive player. You know, I can score. I, you know, I have, in Bradley's case, he's not that far from, he can get, get extended this summer. And it's hard not to look at that. And so for a guy like Bradley to say, look, you know, I'm, I'm a 20 point a game guy. I can, I mean, he does that. That makes him 100 million a year play player. And so it's hard to just say, well, I'm going to go back to being that other guy who respected, sure, but well, he's too short and he's not this and he's not that. And I think that, you know, that's hard. I'm not saying he's a selfish player. I think that's just the game. But now I think the team is kind of recognizing we can't be that. That's not who we are. That's not going to be how we're going to be successful. And with everybody available and everybody playing well and everybody, you know, being, you know, healthy for once, I think we need those players to be the engines that drive the defense, not the engines that drive the offense. There's offense on this team. We know that this team can score. They're top 10, uh, you know, at offensive rating. They, these guys can fill it up. But defensively, they've been so poor and so poor rebounding the ball. And I look particularly Crowder. I mean, that's. Not to sidetrack us onto the the Carmelo stuff, but the Carmelo- oh, but we have to go there because it's we will. the rumor
0: that won't go away. We'll Absolutely. be talking about Carmelo and Rondo and Wade and Butler and yes. three-way trades for sure, but, yes. but continue but, with your point because
1: I know where you're yeah, going. Yeah, I'm just saying that Crowder has been such a disappointment to me this year. I mean, really a massive, colossal disappointment to me that... You know, a year ago, well, we saw potential. We saw growth. What couldn't Jay Crowder become? We've now seen him become a 40% three-point shooter. But defensively, he has been not the lockdown guy that we saw a year ago or two years ago, the guy who really made us think, you know what, I wouldn't trade Jay Crowder for Kevin Love. That was a serious conversation we were having a year ago. And I think that if we saw the guy, that that defensive guy, a lot of people would say, I don't want Carmelo for Jay Crowder, but the Jay Crowder that I've seen this year—that's harder to say. You know that you wouldn't do that deal because, you know, quite frankly, not to say that Carmelo is a lockdown defender, but he's obviously a much more versatile player uh, offensively than Crowder is, and that's the thing for Crowder is he has to be who he is. He can be that three and D guy. And 40% from three and be able to defend, that's one thing. But he doesn't have enough of an offensive game to rely on to be only that. And so that's why I think this Mellow stuff has kind of taken a new life because Crowder hasn't been that good. Last three games – that hasn't been the case. And he has played more of the Jay Crowder we were used to. Let's see if it continues. Yeah. I'm double, not, I, double, double against us.
0: Houston, right? 20 points, exactly. 10 rebounds, the big game, uh, scores 20 points against Milwaukee in the overtime game, playing almost 40 minutes, just under 38. Obviously the Orlando game was a total blowout and saw uh, Celtics really owned that the whole way. A lot of young players getting an opportunity, but he still scored 19 points in 26 minutes. But really it's that that rebounds and jerebko has definitely bolstered the rebounding of the team in that starting lineup which is really really crucial we'll we'll talk a little bit more about jerebko real quick first we're going to tell you about zip recruiter it's the new year which means a fresh start for your business and a great year starts with making great hires but posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates if you want to find the perfect hire you need to post your job on all the top job sites It's... And now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017 by posting your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, and that's all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No more juggling your emails or calls coming into your office. Very quickly, you can screen the candidates rate them and then when you're ready hire the right person fast find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses and right now our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruitercom slash sportsfan that's ziprecruitercom sportsfan to try it for free go to ziprecruitercom slash sports fan i really don't think that we can give Jarebko, enough love for being able to just come off the bench, fall in, and I mean, maybe not as bad as what Tyler Zeller. You got to give credit to Tyler Zeller for waiting on the bench and then coming in and and giving a spark one every twenty games or whatever it is. <laughs> but Jarebko is still what a what a great veteran to have on this club. He's loose in the locker room. He's got a great attitude. He's He was the senior statesman until Horford came into town and really gives them, well, remember what he gave them in the playoffs last year. I'm hoping that he stays in this starting lineup for a while. As much as I know Amir Johnson does the dirty work, Jarebko is out-rebounding him just in three starts, or four starts, three starts dramatically, and this team needs that.
1: They need it and they need, they need like just the, the aggressiveness, the, the energy. I mean, that's the, you know, those punch out. <laughs> like, I, I just, it's like volleyball basically when Jarebko's in there. He just punches it out. I can't, I mean, how many times has he done that? Like, that's his move. If, if Marcus Smart's move is rip the ball out of the hands of the guy who he's guarding, Jerebko's go to is, uh, you know, run in on the offensive board and punch it out to your to your teammate. I mean, there's just nobody nobody does it better. You know, than Jonas Terebko. I love it. He's a great guy. I I think he's going to be the guy we're going to miss next year. You know, he's going to be the guy that you know a year after. Kind of like you hear it often times with, with Evan Turner. We're going to miss what he brings because uh, I don't think there's any way he comes back here next year by by any stretch. Because I think they're going to spend some money. And, and I don't think he's going to be, he'll be priced out of being here, but he does so much, and he spreads the floor, and and he also, you know, he, he does. He sticks his nose in on the rebounding school, on the glass. And there how, there haven't been enough guys doing that. Crowder's starting to do that. That's helpful. I think that also the space that he's providing gives a guy like Jalen Brown room to drive and, 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 and that's huge for him. And now also that's also setting up Jalen's ability to hit shots. So it's really, it's really opened up a lot of things for his teammates. <laughs> Not and, just and hit and shots, it to
0: hit free throws too. Because yeah. Oh, there you go. He he's yeah. getting that space to be able to draw contact without forcing the issue, and that's really what was happening with Amir Johnson or before Kelly Olynyk got healthy and he was playing with the bench. He was forcing the issue to the basket and his athleticism would get him there, but he certainly wasn't going to get any calls because it almost looked like he was charging every play. Now, with the starters, the spacing appropriate, Jerebko spreading it out, which is what we wanted when we made calls for Kelly Olynyk to be in the starting lineup. And Kelly has played marvelously over the month of January, just like last year. He does... What Jureb, but Jarebko does what we would have wanted Kelly Olinick to do in the starting lineup. And that spacing, what I'm really happy to see is now that Jalen is getting the calls, cause he wasn't, now that he's getting the calls inside, he's earning it at the free throw line and hitting them. So I know we've seen the three pointers and you, you brought that up. He, that, that corner three is, is falling now, but it's really, I, I think the bigger sign was the fact that He's really got into a rhythm from the charity stripe, and it was necessary because early on, he was not knocking it down. And I could hear all the boo birds from the draft night show coming back to me. (laughs) You know, if we still had a college show, I'd be hearing it pretty hard from a few people, I'm certain, where he can't even hit a free throw. He's never going to get his shot right. And really, he's done a very good job, you know, just barely halfway through the season of, of getting his stroke uh you know kind of tightened up a little bit i don't I don't know what it is because I always thought it looked good and we heard him ripping the nets you know against chairs in his workouts for the celtics but you know in game when he when he steps up to the free throw line to be able to to not miss those so huge for his impact
1: he i think that that's yeah he's shooting something like i think it's since the first of the year like the last month he's shooting something like ninety percent from the line. Something along that, that I mean, to that degree where it's like automatic, you know, <laughs> and and I think that's like you said, that's paying dividends elsewhere on the floor, you know, that just attention to form and and all of that. And and that's you know, I think his three point shootings looked good. Um, the one thing I'd say Friday night, you know, he had an amazing first half, I mean, he was really just dynamite in that first half. Second half, there was a couple instances, I'd say three or four, where he'd make the move and he'd explode past his guy, and he'd get up near the rim and he'd overthink it. You yeah, know? he still yeah, struggles to finish. It's still not
0: a smooth finisher. No way.
1: And, and the funny thing is, is I want to say it was Friday night, and I could be wrong, but there was a situation where he he overthought it, missed it. Came out of the game right, right after that. I think this was on the third quarter, and then came back in the fourth. And when he came back in, he he this time he turned the corner, and he I, I could tell he went up and he whoever was there he was gonna throw it in their face and like destroy people. There were civil civilizations that would have been ruined had he actually been able to to get up for the to the dunk. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. No, he, he comes
0: up out. short. I think I saw that. I think I know he what you're talking, talking, talking about, about but it was not it was as fast. bad as the one earlier this year where he went up way too early and came like 2 feet short of oh. the dunk. But he still has a tendency to when he goes up, sometimes he draws body he draws contact on
1: a defender and he really yeah. is not close to slamming it. He, I think, you know, and I think that that's the thing right now. He's, he has all the tools. It's putting them together to me is where, where he's got to go. And I wonder if it's a, if it's a comfort thing for him, you know what I mean? Where you, you see it in stretches. It's experience. And exactly. Like, okay, I know in this situation, this is when I got to throw it down. You know, here, okay, I gotta use some touch here. You know, I, I think you're right. I think that's where a year from now he puts it together. And it's funny because, like, alley oops and stuff like that, like, you know, he's not showing all he can do. You know, there's a tentative, a tentative nature to it that seems to me it, it comes out of just what you're saying, which is experience. But if once he just kind of something clicks, like, look out. Cause he's, well, you Tommy know, he's thinks gonna, so. What's that? Tommy Heinsohn thinks
0: so. He blew up the uh, in that Orlando game. He said, oh, this guy, next year, he's going to be one of the best the Celtics have ever seen. And that's pretty high praise early on, and I know Tommy's got an affinity for that. But at the same time, I remember when he said it, I just started laughing. But the truth is, and I said this earlier in the year, that I didn't think we were going to see the best of Jalen Brown until after the All-Star break. He needs time to acclimate. He needs experience. A lot of those situations, even finishing at the rim and where he is not necessarily smooth, a lot of that comes from the fact that he does not know how to adjust to the defenders that he's facing in the NBA, which is why I say he needs to keep doing it. I don't care if he looks foolish, and I said that early on. Go ahead. Make mistakes. Get after it. If you miss a few, no big deal, because you know he's going to come back stronger. He's going to think it through. He's going to study. But it really could not be more beneficial for the potential contributions of Jalen Brown at the end of this season and into the playoffs than being in the starting lineup. And to your point about Carmelo, and maybe we can touch on this before we go to the break, first break, but to your point on Carmelo, if there are some trades at all at the All-Star break, we are going to have a consolidated roster. You talk about whether or not we can afford Jerebko. Well, maybe we can. We have no idea what the roster construction's going to be. There may be spots uh on on, you know, spots on the roster available for Jerebko. I guess it just depends on, you know, what he's looking for money-wise. I think though there's some, he's kind of an entrepreneur. I could see him taking less to stay in Boston and see this thing through. I don't think Jerebko is at the same place in his career that Evan Turner was when he went to the Trailblazers this past off season, but if the if the roster does get pared down, having Jalen be able to get exposure against other teams' starting lineup without the focus on him because they are they on on the second unit they were adjusting to him they were making adjustments now. It's still not full adjustments against him because they're really still gaming for Isaiah Thomas, you know they're gaming for Al Horford, and that that helps out Jalen quite a bit. So why don't we talk a little bit about Carmelo because it is the it it's the rumor that won't go away, and I read on Red's Army today, and it makes a lot of sense. John was saying maybe that that deal would be. More of a facilitator position for the Celtics. Not necessarily bringing Carmelo to Boston, but sending him to the Clippers. I'm just not sure if, if all three, if, if the other two teams in any three-way deal are contenders, it's a shuffling of the deck. It's not necessarily an upgrade for Boston. So I have a hard time seeing if, if they're involved in any trade with Carmelo, what's in it for the Celtics if they're not getting Carmelo.
1: Yeah, well, especially if you're talking about the Clippers, because the Clippers don't have anything. And we have, <laughs> we have their 19, number one. Uh, you know, there's not, the Clippers don't have anything they, they can send. I mean, you, you do want to talk about a guy like, I don't know, I mean, JJ Reddick, they're, supposedly they're, they're not going to touch their, their top three guys. So Paul or, and you know, DeAndre and Blake are, are out of any sort of conversation. Okay. So that means they're willing to move JJ, which, okay. That would be interesting, but I don't know who, how that would work. Um, they still need to add salary. It's it's just a really hard fit for the Clippers. Uh, you know, Chris Mannix has been kind of on the top of it. Hasn't been on top of this. He and he and uh, Woj kind of broke the story initially. And you know, remember Chris was the guy who who broke the Horford stuff and the Celtics' interest in Horford a year ago. So this is you know. Chris is plugged in. He knows what's going on with his team, and he keeps beating the drum beat of the Celtics. And he, I've uh, you know, listened to a couple of the podcasts that both the the Vertical and and he was on uh with with Chris Vernon on on the the you know, the Ringers NBA show. And he you know he really does think the Celtics are, are in this, and basically it's a deal centered around Crowder and somebody else. He's he theorized Crowder and Smart, but then when he you know what he was on the vertical. He's like Crowder, and then he was really unspecific. So uh, the, the, apparently, the Celtics coaching staff is sees value in Carmelo. The issue is, and and this is what we've talked about before. To me, the issue with is, with Carmelo is salary, and not. But you're paying Carmelo so much, but it takes you out of any the sort of conversation. Game. Yeah, free agency exactly. is over immediately. So, so, would you rather have it's kind of a bird in the hand versus two in the bush? You know, would you rather have Carmelo or would you rather have the chance to have Crowder and say Gordon Hayward? Now, what are the chances Gordon Hayward gets free from Utah? I don't know. I mean, he's he's an all star now and there's some, been some, some things with ownership there, but. We still got the Brad Stevens thing, which is why the number two pick is so important or number two seed is so important because that means Brad Stevens is coaching the East, which means he's at the All-Star game, which means he, he becomes your best recruiter. So there's a lot of pieces to this, and that's a lot of, you know. No, that's a really good stuff, point, but, what you just brought up about the All-Star
0: game because I don't know that we really thought the Celtics were going to get even a shot at that number two spot. Remember the last time they played the Raptors, they just got punked in the fourth quarter yet again by those two guards and mostly DeRozan. Delanchunas Mm -hmm. has always had an impact too, just because of the lack of size and strength that the Celtics are missing on the interior But it is a really important distinction. Having Brad's reputation as it is around the league, him having an opportunity to meet with all of those Eastern Conference All Stars, it would even allow him to sort of, you know, try some players on for size, so to speak. And yeah, you would you would have a conversation with them. You know, obviously, can't talk about possibly bringing them on board. I'm sure there's interest on Gordon Hayward's part about coming, but he is building something in Utah. It is a bit of a gamble. The contract... Carmelo deserves, you know, he's worth the money he has on a contender if he's hitting big game-winning shots and he's not flaking out on defense. If he can come in and acclimate and take some pressure off of Isaiah, I can see wanting him. The problem for me is tying up that salary with a 32-year-old. The problem with somebody like Hayward in the offseason, or even Blake, as has been theorized, is they're younger but there's no guarantee and there's all of these assets that you can use at the trade deadline but ultimately if not at the trade dot deadline and not at the NBA draft by the time we're into the off season yes it's doable but i think the roster the pieces of the roster that have to be moved around are not quite as flexible people Uh, People trading with the Celtics know that they have some hard decisions to make if they do sign a free agent, and they don't necessarily get a
1: great return on their investment. Right, absolutely. I mean, and so, you know, you look at the return, uh, you know, a a guy, a 32-year-old in Carmelo, so he's he's got one more year after this, and then he's got a player option in 19. So you have definitely one more year at Carmelo, and then potentially one more. Now, will he get twenty seven million on the market when he's thirty two, thirty three, thirty four years old? It'd be hard to see because it seems right now that we're starting to see a bit of a constriction of the market, as opposed to um you know it kind of going the other way. On the other hand, maybe you know you end up seeing deals like what with KG signed near the end, where you know he didn't take the full amount, but he took eighty percent of that, but then he got it for two years. You know, so you may, he may go the other way as a, as a 34, 35 year old. I don't think Carmelo's game is going to slide. If you're going to play him a power forward and he's really more of in the Jarebko role of rebounding and, and shooting, he's that, that he can do. You know, is he going to be the defender? Well, he's not going to move his feet, but what, who is he defending? He's defending other teams' stretch fours, you know, and, you know I just I don't think that it's as big of a liability as as people say. The other thing I'd say is look at the well situation and culture, he's been. exactly that's exactly right. it. Why are you going to go out and break your back on defense
0: if the team is just not where it needs to be to mm-hmm. to get the results and i we have to hit the break but i but i will I'll add to that, and if we want to talk about it more when we come back, we can but Carmelo really at this point I'm not so worried about the age at the end of the contract. If you can get Carmelo Anthony without giving up the top overall pick this year, maybe even save next year's Nets pick, and you get to keep Jalen Brown, which is really, that's gonna be the biggest question mark. But if you can keep the young players. For you. Yeah, for me. <laughs> right, I know everybody else is like, whatever. <laughs> no, I
1: don't think so. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this
0: is a, this is a reverse Rondo situation from back in the old days with us, <laughs> exactly. John. But, but what I'll, but all I'm gonna say is if you can keep those young, some of the young players, you know, like, even if you let Avery Bradley go in that deal, because he's still young, that would still be building for the future for the Knicks. But if you can keep a, a Marcus Smart, you can keep a Jalen Brown in a couple of picks, maybe one becomes Markel Fultz. You stay young. Well, no big deal if Carmelo walks when he's 34, 35. Cause you still have an enormous amount of talent that is emerging on the roster. It's just, it, as it will be always the case with any deal, it's what are you giving up and how does it impact the future? Maybe I'm okay with not keep, not, uh, making uh, a free agent splash in the offseason. And taking on a Carmelo, if I'm knowing that, you know, it's a little bit of a, a high risk and high reward situation, but at the end of the day, you get to keep all of these pieces and you know you're going to be top three in the Eastern Conference for the foreseeable future with a lot of young talent coming on board. I think I could live with that. All right, maybe we'll maybe we'll pick up from there when we come back. Real quick, as we go to break, I'm going to tell you about Blue Apron. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, and they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. And for less than ten dollars a meal, which is less expensive than going out, unless you're eating McDonald's, Blue Apron. delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And cooking together builds strong family bonds. What I love about this is you don't necessarily have to plan the meal and what ingredients do you go to the store and buy. They all come directly to your door, pre-portioned. So a lot of the hassle is taken out of it, and yet you can eat a very delicious meal and it's way better than eating out. Customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. There's no weekly commitment. Upcoming meals is cashew chicken stir fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. Roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. Crispy barramundi with quinoa and roasted carrot salad. And udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs. I had the barramundi when I cooked uh, with Blue Apron, and it was absolutely delicious. I'd never had that fish before. I'm a big fan of quinoa as well. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. It doesn't get better than that. Three free meals and free shipping. Go to blueapron.com com/slash-celtics. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's BlueApron.com slash Celtics Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We'll be right back after this word from Audible.com. All right, we're back from the break, and we were talking about potential trade targets and how the Celtics plan for the future. That's maybe... Not so distant future, but it's definitely not the week ahead. And one of the big games on tap, not only do we get to see the Lakers, a rematch against Toronto, which we've talked about, but we also get the Clippers on Super Bowl Sunday, and that'll be the last game Paul Pierce plays here in Boston. Obviously, it won't be in a Celtics uniform. He'll be with the Clippers. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, you know, you talk about Carmelo, and you even said, John, about Carmelo's role being similar to what Pierce did quite a bit towards the last few – last year, I'd say, year and a half with the Celtics and definitely went to Washington with and then ultimately the Clippers, but playing that that four spot – but another old friend, or I should say another old friend in the news as we're talking about potential trade targets and whatnot, Rajon Rondo having a tough season in Chicago, apparently clashing with Fred Hoiberg, the coach there, and Wade and Butler being buddies. But, maybe not going the veteran route, and Rajan's certainly not gonna stay quiet about it. goes to Twitter, lamb base them, and sure he continues to come off the bench as he had for uh, I think over a month, maybe a month and a half and uh but Wade and Butler not looking any more the pros than rondo with with their words to the media and really cutting down teammates. The rails are coming off. The question is, can you now put the same label that you've put on Carmelo being a cancer? Can you put that on Butler? I mean, they've already put it on Rondo and there's no love lost in Boston for Wade after he basically ripped Rondo's oh. arm out of his shoulder in the postseason. But are we now going to do that to, to Butler as well? Is he going to get the, the cancer tag or what's going to, what, what is, what is going to be the fallout
1: here, John? It's a good, that's a great question because it, it, you wonder, I think it's still too early. I think with you know with Carmelo, he has just year and year and year of of really disappointing efforts and 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 production of his teams in New York, and I don't think all that can be put on him. I think some of it you know can be certainly in the international game. He's certainly he's a he's almost a, a star and a and a player that that Coach K has used. numerous occasions to great success and for whatever reason in the nba uh his coaches and his franchise has been unable to kind of um build off that and i suspect brad stevens could but with butler i think it's still too early you know this is really the first year that he's been the guy there uh and even then i think i think it's a bit of question whether or not that's whether he is that guy bringing in Wade and it's it's just such a toxic mess there in Chicago I I can't really blame Butler too much at this point although it certainly shouldn't have done it I think that it's it's really on the GM and and the fact that they built this roster that was never going to succeed it was and put a whole bunch of people in no opportunity to do well I mean you can't I just, I think that's just very unfortunate and really didn't serve any of the, either the coach or any of the players well by crafting a roster like that. So I'm not really to do that. And I think kudos to Rondo. I think he's maybe, some people are starting to maybe take another look at Rondo, uh, and say, you know, hey, he's actually right about this. You know, they were so used to just, oh, it's Rondo. He's a jerk. He's this and that. Well, it's the problem is his approach. You know,
0: Rondo was never not smart, intelligent, and maybe not always wrong. But as we've always found in our walk, all of us have at some point during our life run into people who are brilliant, but they're so stuck on being right and the way that they present being right, you immediately make them wrong, even Mm -hmm. though they probably do have something valuable to say. And that's really the knock on Rondo. The thing I'll say about Butler, though, John, don't forget He got into it with Hoiberg last year. I mean, it's not like this hasn't... There's precedent here in Chicago with Butler, so I'm not... I know maybe he's not going to get the DeMarcus Cousins or Carmelo Anthony treatment. He's obviously a hard worker. Jalen spent some time with him in the off offseason. Uh, Jay Crowder knows him from their college days together at Marquette, and they played very well together. They both had sort of that second-round pick, chip on their shoulder, coming in and just lighting the world on fire, and, and good on both players. I think sometimes that's what happens when you're frustrated. Look, the Bulls are 4-6 and six in their last 10. They've lost two I don't know exactly where they were in the midst of that, but they've only flirted with 500 and potential playoff berth and right down at the bottom of that you know, eighth seed just trying to hang on. It's not what everybody hoped it would be. And you have three very strong personalities playing the guard position, and you've already asked Rondo to sit on the bench. So when those two guys screw up, you'd be damned if you're going to expect Rajon Rondo to keep his mouth shut.
1: No, and you know what, let's, let's also give Rondo credit for this. You know, he is in a, he's, it hasn't worked out well for him, right? He's sitting, he's taking that medicine, but he's supporting his guys, by all accounts, he's supporting the rooks, he's, you know, staying engaged, he's not happy about it, but he's, he's staying part of the process. Now let's, let's go back a few years, right? Now, 2011. He's playing with the uh, the big three, and one member of the big three is basically starting to get eclipsed by uh, the second-year A- Avery Bradley. And Rondo takes Bradley's side and says, you know, hey, Bradley should be playing more, you know, Ray should be playing less, and really that's the, you know, one of the real wedges that, that drove, uh, you know, Ray Allen to Miami. And, and really drove discord between the two of them. But credit to Rondo to, to recognize, you know, look, when the situation harms me, I know I'm I know that's the right thing to do. He could have, you know, he could have acted like Ray Allen and could have, you know, threw a fit about it and and had all these issues, but he didn't do that. He took his medicine and, you know, basically he supported his teammates even at the at the chance where he could be let go as a basketball player and who knows if he finds another place. I mean, that's a, that takes a lot of courage. Don't you think some of those comments
0: were levied right at Rondo, though? It almost seems like Butler and Wade were calling him out specifically considering they were supposed to play the 1, 2, and 3 side by side.
1: Yeah, but I, th- I, I felt like it was, it was a – they were pointing the finger at everybody. I, I didn't think so much it was about Rondo because he's basically a, a non-factor uh, in that team right now. I think it was really – it was kind of blasting everybody but us. We're good. You guys are bad. Get on our level and i thought that was that was why so universally it was it was looked at as a as a bad thing if people if they were just pointing the finger at rondo or or you know kind of couching it but really being about rondo i don't think it would have gotten as much play cuz people are like well rondo can't play and he and he's terrible but the fact that they went after the rookies when the team itself isn't good That's where I think they lost kind of the the public opinion. And, you know, and let's, let's look at what, what Rondo did. You know, Rondo's Instagram post basically saying, look, my, my vets, not Ray Allen, mind you, my vets, KG and Paul, they could, they took me through this. They did it the right way. You know, there was an issue. They talked about it inside the locker room. They didn't go to the media. My coach didn't go to the media. We kept it all in house. And you know there was a lot of stuff going on there. Can you imagine what KG would have done if they'd
0: taken it out, though? That's that's a KG number one stamp. I mean, I'm sure Paul had influence on that. But Garnett, boy, he's intimidating. He's intimidating in the locker room. And if somebody stepped out of bounds, I can only imagine how KG would handle that in the locker room.
1: Oof. Oof. (laughs) I think you would have to really have to – You'd have, to, i don't even know i don't even know how that would work i don't even think that's possible you know kg runs everything and that you just you would not do that or you would be gone you know it just doesn't work it doesn't work you know and um so you know yeah paul and, and it's just it's a different time for sure but i think you know obviously wade and, and butler they paid. They paid a bit of a price. They didn't start. They were benched a bit on, uh, you know, by the Bulls and by Hoiberg. But that's such a toxic mess. I mean, they they need to blow that up so quickly and start over. They're really going to start over, and I don't see how they do that with Butler there. But that's where the three
0: three team trade makes a little bit of potential sense. But but again, why does Carmelo go to Boss? I mean, go to Chicago? It, it's the pieces right. still don't quite get where they need to go i mean maybe a four-way trade but now we're getting ridiculous let's talk about paul pierce he's going to come into town on sunday super bowl sunday tom brady 39 year old going to be turning 40 before uh the beginning of next season in the nfl And a couple of old guys. These are the guys, John, that you and I grew up on. They're our age. I got a couple of years on Brady, a couple more on Pierce. I think Pierce and you are are about the same age, I think. Paul's obviously going to call it quits. He's a 10-time NBA All-Star. He obviously won the MVP in the championship season in 2008. That I was very lucky to witness firsthand, especially through the playoffs, with the exception of the uh Eastern Conference finals against Detroit i had to miss that one and, and watch it yep. from home because i had a brand new baby daughter who is now if you can believe it 8 years old and uh help <laughs> help me make beef jerky today but there you go <laughs> daddy's girl so, the, anyway. so
1: basically the one playoff game i got to go to I didn't even put this together until now. It's been, it's been almost, you know, eight years. It's almost a
0: decade. That's right.
1: That was the one game I went to. So, of the playoffs. So, thank you. Thank your daughter for me for being born. I appreciate Absolutely. That. her count. You're right. I totally forgot about that. That's right. It was when she was born. That's why. Right. Hey, can you go for me? Okay. All right. Anyway, sorry. Well, everybody. yeah, that but in the movie, you
0: could see my, my newborn daughter, you know, sitting in the swing and I'm trying <laughs> not to, to scream at the top of my lungs as they're, they're, you know, winning the game. That was by far also It is sad. As much as the Lakers series was entertaining, you know, you see game six. It's a blowout. Leon Poe is strutting his stuff down the floor. You know, all of that was great fun. But that Detroit series was the hardest-fought series in that championship run. It was the most entertaining. It was just blow for blow. And I know it only went six, but... You know, the only other time I can remember just an amazing playoff performance was Paul Pierce against LeBron James, just back and forth as well. And, um, you know, just just awesome, awesome year, ton of fun to to watch. And now we're going to be saying goodbye to Paul Pierce once and for all. I think we always thought he was going to be in a Celtics green uniform his entire career but has had some had some stints with the Nets obviously the big trade that has helped the Celtics get to where they are today and then a really nice season with the Wizards but as far as the Clippers go I am not sure he's really given them as much as maybe Doc Rivers had hoped
1: for. Yeah, I think that was more of a I think he thought especially last year that he'd get more out of them than he did. It seemed like that that Wizards season was like his last last good one you know you're really helping them kind of get over the hump win a playoff series uh, and since then since he's been in la it's you know he's been he's been half semi-retired i think <laughs> it's probably the best way i'd put it uh, it has not been a great great finish to his career but look 10-time all-star the captain the truth I mean it's boy it's gonna be it's gonna be awful dusty in my house uh come two o'clock on on Sunday, February fifth because a lot of memories there, a lot of great times of that guy just putting the team on his back, and like a guy the guy number four right now putting the team on his back, everyone counting him out, everybody saying he's not fast enough, he's not athletic enough he's not this, he's not that and somehow find a way to get it done, you know, and that, that guy, that perseverance going through all that and then to ultimately, you know, get the team around him so he can finally compete, uh, and, and be a champion. Uh, that was, you know, one of the probably most rewarding things of my life as a sports fan was his, his journey through that 2008 team and that championship, because, you know, look, you know, we're Red sox fans, we're patriots fans i mean the the Red sox thing we all you know that's that's all that's been talked about, but as you said, for you for me for for a lot of our listeners, they're probably of an age they're you know our age and maybe a little older but but certainly a lot younger, growing up with this guy um it had been so long you know people our age we're we're like the last ones who really can remember them winning it any other time than 2008 and to like kind of go through that. And it was kind of, you know, the the folks that are a little younger than you and I, they don't remember a time with, with, with a good team with a championship contender. You know, there were a lot of people our age were, Oh, it's Antoine Walker. It's this, and you know, we're talking about the show and, you know, and all the, <laughs> those of the good days. Like that just changed the paradigm. The whole prism was that Paul Pierce team and KG ran the locker room, KG did all that, but he was the captain. And he really embodied Celtics Pride and and that franchise. And it's it's gonna be hard to see him walk away this year. And and Sunday's gonna be a tough one. It's gonna start with some tears maybe at two o'clock, hoping for a lot of success. Not only You already started tear up, I can hear also it later on. I could hear it. You
0: you you were getting a little of a club right then. Right then I could hear it coming through. You know what? I just some of my favorite memories, first off, I mean the elbow jumper and yeah. for the win. For the win. Like so many times a little step back, elbow, bang. Got it. Right? And Got it. just incredible. And so much and, and really just the heart of a champion. You know, you can you can go back to the very beginning. You know, obviously the incident at the nightclub. He comes back. There was a time he went up for a dunk. He got his legs taken out underneath him. He smashes his face into the floor. I believe he lost teeth. I can't remember if the teeth actually yep. came out or not. But Phoenix. Um, it was against Phoenix. It was against Phoenix, and he comes out and finishes the game yep. and never misses a Never misses a beat. Just got continues it. to play. And this is not on a great team. You know, this the best shot that they had before the Kevin Garnett trade, et cetera, was the year that they got Kenny um, – Uh, um uh, oh, my God, help me out – Kenny Anderson Kenny and Anderson. Rodney Rogers. Rodney Rogers. And they had yeah. – right. And they oh, had that 30-point comeback against the Nets. And funny yep. how our – you know, we tie up against the Nets. But Jason Kidd and <laughs> – uh, who's the – why am I forgetting? Who did he – who was uh, – the guy with the tats. Come on, help me out. The power forward. What's that? Oh, Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin. right. And that whole team. Uh, but they went, they took them, they took them six, right? Or did they get yeah. swept in that series? No. No, they took them to six. They did take them to six, and they had that huge comeback. And I remember Paul Pierce just on top of the scorer's table. Yep. You know, just shaking his towel. And then there, and I can't remember when this was, but do you remember, I think it might have been in the postseason. It might even have been against the Nets. It might have been that series. Him and Walker come out for the postgame press conference, and he's got ace bandage
1: wrap all yeah. around his head. <laughs> that was Indiana. Yeah, that was that was Indiana. That was a right, bogus tentacle. He got tossed on, and that was a. And you know, a lot of people were kind of you know, Jackie McMullen. I remember was it wasn't really a good of,
0: look. It was like spitting it, yeah. on LeBron type of stuff. You know that just it, yeah. it it made him look immature.
1: It did. It did. But you but know, I was laughing, was, dude. But...
0: I was loving it. I thought it was hilarious. I remember I, I was like, too. yeah, maybe maybe the professionals don't like this, but sitting at home, yes. uh you know, just being a fan,
1: I just butt gust, just laughing, just dying. Great. It's great, yeah. I know, you know, and that's, you know, you know. Could you see someone like Boogie Cousins doing that? Yes, you know, Russell Westbrook, Harden. I mean, you know, I mean, it's. I don't know. I think that that was just that was a little bit of an overreaction by the media on that one. I think he was, you know, it was it was fine. But there was, yeah, that was a great one, you know. And, And there were so many times when. He, you know, he just, he led them. He, you know, he got the points and he got better and better and better as a player. You know, when Doc got there, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of friction, a lot of, you know, who's right, who's wrong, whose team is this? And they saw through it. They got through it. Paul, you know, got to another level. He, you know, his production got better and better. And then that 2006, 2007 season where he got hurt, uh, basically missed a good part of the season with uh, an infection in his elbow and uh, just not great health all around for that team. Oh, that was, was the bat- miserable January
0: 31st game season yep. against the Lakers and the Kobe MVP chance. And we are going to see yep. the Lakers this week too, but not to, not to shuffle off, but it's great that somebody who put that Jersey on for so many seasons with the Celtics, the heart and soul, got to have his moments against the Lakers in the finals. That's really a big part of what has cemented Paul Pierce's legacy as a Celtic. I'm not saying he wouldn't still be in line to have his number retired and be a great Celtic if they'd won that championship against the Spurs and Tim Duncan instead of the Lakers, but the fan base's desire for the resurgence of the Celtics and coming on the heels of the the Patriots finally having championship success. And then the Red Sox following with just such an amazing comeback, obviously, against the Yankees and the ALCS. And then it was time for the Celtics to shine. And the fact that they got to do that against the Lakers in back-to-back years and that, that was part of Paul's legacy was really a huge... Huge element, I think, to how he'll be remembered it again it wouldn't it wouldn't change anything it, but it does add something
1: and let's just you speaking of that run, let's say oh eight to ten, you know um were it not for Bonespur and Kevin Garnett's knee, they're back to back champions. I don't think that's with, absolutely I don't think that's in doubt in any way. And I would argue that probably they stood a real good chance of winning in ten too, because KG was slowed pretty pretty significantly, particularly in the first half of that that season in twenty ten. They would have won a lot more games with a healthy Kevin Garnett, and maybe they're not playing games six and seven in L.A. They're playing them in Boston as they did in 2008. So you know, I mean, it's it things happen fast. They got the one, and and you know, but they weren't far away from winning two, maybe three, and so that was a great team in terms of single season, you know, great teams. That Celtics team, that 2008 Celtics team, statistically and every other way, was among the better teams of NBA history, and you know that's it's it's a pretty special place to be. You know, Paul is never going to get his due as an individual player. I think he's he'll get more so because of his longevity, but just what that team did and how good they were and how good the pieces fit together. Uh, Paul being a primary part of that and really starring when the when the stage was its brightest. Uh, you know, Paul really led them in large part through that final series. Of course, Ray had that great game in Game Four, and KG was you know obviously solid throughout and, and really dominating the, the the bigs in that. Area, but it was Paul's leadership. That game one, obviously, everyone talks about the wheelchair, but but his three coming back from from tweaking the knee, which was a pretty serious tweak. Um, that was that was what kind of put the Celtics over the top in that series, and, and in a large part, oh, playing Kobe Bryant. Oh, by the way,
0: yeah, you know what? <laughs> that year was definitely one of the best years of my entire life. I will always remember that fondly and uh you know we were just hitting stride with the show as well and i don't want to it's really hard to transition out of sort of the sentimentality of paul pierce's return and 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 putting a cap on that era and and looking at you know the new the new club and danny's next uh version of the celtics and, and isaiah thomas In a lot of ways, like Paul Pierce, just in terms of the heart, although I think Isaiah smiles a lot more when he's on the court, but he's got that same heart of a champion. And, and this is, this is the Celtics, you know, this is Isaiah's Celtics now and, and certainly other players coming up. But let's take a look at the week ahead because we were just talking about the Lakers. The Celtics have stints tonight against the Detroit Pistons. Then they get a night off. They play on Wednesday at home. So it's a nice – I think they have all three games – yeah, all four games this week at home. So yeah. uh, they play Toronto on Wednesday, the Lakers on Friday, and then the Clippers on Sunday. And the great thing is, is they get one day off in between each one of these. They get to be at home. I'm actually feeling pretty optimistic about their run this week. I know we were a little negative and said two and two last week. I'm very – you know, Detroit – they, they have given, Drummond has given the Celtics a little bit of trouble as, as all decent offensive big men have this season. Um, and, and certainly that could be a little bit of a difficult matchup. I don't want to just gloss over it, but you know, the game tonight, great, but the other three games are really the highlight of the week. They get a chance. To do something that they haven't done to the Raptors in a meaningful way, uh, really, for quite a few seasons. They got the one win last year, but it was kind of a, yeah, beat them. (laughs) Just beat them. But you know what? I'm curious. I'm curious to see how Jalen Brown in the starting lineup impacts that game. Because I think that's where a lot of their struggles are. I want to see Jalen Brown use all six fouls on DeMar DeRozan. I don't care if he's not out there in the fourth quarter. I want three quarters of just bruising defense on DeMar DeRozan. And I'm interested to see how that plays out. The Lakers, you know, obviously they're still having a disappointing season. They're in line for, I think, the second pick overall uh, in the upcoming draft. So it'll be interesting to watch the Celtics and Lakers pick one and two if they keep them. But – At the same time, they've got a host of young players and it is the Lakers and there's a lot of history there and nobody wants to see an underperforming sort of rebuilding Lakers roster come in and whoop the Celtics on their floor. And it's February 3rd, so it's, you know, it's not quite January 31st, but it's pretty closely related. And then of course the Clippers I feel pretty good about that game just because they're decimated with injuries and, uh, I think the Celtics are going to be able to pull that one out, but it'll be a sentimental, sentimental game. Their records are almost identical as it, as we sit this morning. Uh, it, you know, it'll be different by the time Sunday rolls around. We're almost, you know, it's almost a week away, but. Basically two, uh, two franchises with very similar records at the top of their conference and it will be a very entertaining show to kind of kick off the, well, not kick off Super Bowl Sunday, but, but maybe a nice distraction for a few hours before we get to, you know, to the big, the big event, the big annual Super Bowl.
1: So I'm going to go. <laughs> we are such New England fans. Oh my God. <laughs> the annual Just, Super Bowl. <laughs> the annual. That's... <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: I didn't even quite mean it that way, but it is, it really has been that way, hasn't it?
1: Oh, it's a Super great. Bowl party where we wear our Patriots jerseys because, you know, <laughs> Dude, there's so he many fans. There's you. so
0: many people who listen to the show that hate the Patriots, too. So I I try to temper it. You know, anybody, any Celtics fan that's out of market does not share our feelings in that regard. So I try to temper it on a, on a Celtics-oriented show or, you know, centric show, but I can't help but. But love, love my Patriots, and I don't think I got to tell you this, but I got to see the AFC Championship. I was actually in Maine, and you may remember me telling stories of my good friend Ben, who yeah. was a Bledsoe fan and a Walker fan, and I was a Brady fan and a Pierce fan, and we, we always went back and on. forth. So <laughs> I got to I got to stay the night at his house for the AFC Championship game oh, and sweet. watch the route of the Steelers, which was awesome,
1: awesome time. Fantastic. Was he, a, so, is he a Steelers fan too? Oh
0: no no, no. no you said the yeah bad side. no okay. no yeah we're all on the this? same he page kick all now. All
1: the bad sides are just
0: <laughs> no no just of the two like he okay. we're, we're, he's diehard New
1: England but he just has yeah. you know he's just misguided. He's been... <laughs> he's just ten percent off. He's normally heading in the right direction just a little bit off on that. That's okay. That's all right. Well, all that's right. good. I'm going three and one this week. I'm going to
0: say they lose and I'm instead of trying to nail down the loss. I'm going to say either the Raptors continue their dominance or the Clippers sneak one in a in a sentimental afternoon. So I'm going to go 3 and 1. I don't I think they get Detroit. I think they get the Lakers. But I I can't quite go 4 and 0 on this one. What's what's your predictions for the week up ahead, John?
1: Well, I I think first of all, I mean just to kind of pull it out a second. I mean, this is a what a what a week in terms of history and the present, right? You got the Pistons, I mean, possibly of my youth, the Pistons and the Lakers, the two biggest teams I hated, hated, not, like, disliked, hated. Capital H-A-T-E. Lambeer, hated, you had to um, hate them. You despised them. Like, even now, like, I the Detroit, like, every time I hear Detroit, I just, there's a shiver that goes down my back because I think of Bill Lambeer. You know, so... Uh, there's nothing more I enjoy than being Detroit, really. You know, talking about that that 08 series, I enjoyed that immensely because, you know, look, they're the ones that kind of, well, anyway. So I, I'm really hoping for a big game there. The Lakers, they've been trash since, like, mid-December. I expect that's fully going to be a win. Um, the Clippers game is going to be tough. I think that's going to be a tough one, but again, they're outmanned, they're outgunned. I think the the Celtics pull that off. This Toronto game, though, this is, I am there, the way they have been unable to match up with Toronto Raptors is probably the single biggest thing, frustration point as a Celtics fan I've had over the last two or three years. Time and time and time again, the Celtics have come up short against the team that they really need to beat to it's become, a one-sided rivalry. It is what to be the unquestioned number two team in their in their conference. They need to be able to win this game. Now, and also, I would add, so Toronto and Boston are tied right now. Okay, whoever has the better week is going to coach the All Star team. So this is that game on Wednesday could very well be the decider. Um, in terms of who is going to end up coaching. Both other than, I mean, really if you look at the clip the, the Raptors schedule, you look at the Celtics schedule, they're about as as difficult. I mean the Clippers game maybe is a little bit tougher than who the Raptors have, but the Raptors don't the Clippers don't have anybody on their roster. I'm gonna be uh, being the typical, you know, overreactive Celtics fan, having just seen them win three games in a row. And win. <laughs> I'm trying to stick my neck out there. I'm staying four and oh, baby. Feeling 4-0. good.
0: So we're gonna we're coming on the off the heels of a three game skid, and you're right. gonna say they rebound with seven straight wins you got to it. go seven and three in their previous ten and, and really erase all the ugliness from it.
1: I am irrationally doing so. I I don't I mean look the, I don't th- the Pistons game could be tough particularly if Horford doesn't play, but I just feel like playing the Raptors at home. If they've learned anything from these last three games in terms of the ability to bring defensive energy to the wing and the perimeter, if they can apply that to the Toronto game, they can win. They can beat those guys. I know it. You know it. I know it. We all know it. They just got to do it. And I they think they got to close. Right. Every think, time they get close, they
0: can't close it in the fourth quarter.
1: And the biggest point that you – and you brought it up, and I, and I agree with this wholeheartedly. If Jalen Brown – I think size bothers DeMar DeRozan more than anything else. And whether it's Crowder, who really didn't do much on him the last time, and that's, that needs to change, or it's Jalen Brown, one of those two guys has to pick up the defensive assignment on, on DeRozan. I I don't I don't think it matters. Bradley needs to defend, you know, Kyle Lowry. You know, I think if you can do that, you can win the game. But it's I'd it, like to see I, Smart just coming in for meaningful
0: minutes against Lowry and doing the same thing, just bruising him up. That's why I, I want to think... see that physical body. On you know, they're both rugged. So I want to really see – I want to see Smart take it to him. I want to get in their heads. I want to get them frustrated because you know Smart's probably – Yeah. Smart can, <laughs> can do, do that. that. And I think Jalen could do it just, you know, again, just because of that length and athleticism, I think – you know, that'll be a nice matchup against DeRozan and, and and cause him to be frustrated. But we're going to be back next week to talk all about it. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl will be in the books by the time everyone is listening to us, and we will obviously see some pretty excellent tributes to Paul Pierce. I know, uh, I, I know that the Garden is going to be rocking. I know that mm-hmm. they've got something special up their sleeves, and uh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see Paul just... The cheers that will rain down. They'll be lucky if that if that game doesn't start more than fifteen ooh. minutes late, just ooh, because ooh, ooh, they can't even get it underway. From from the fan base, just
1: losing it, just losing okay. it for them. So just just real quick, I'm going to make a quick prediction. Usually, you don't see this type of thing when they do this, and I, and maybe they won't. But why not have Kevin Garnett at that game? Oh, you so thought it? get him there? You imagine if they get him there, that'd be big. He works for the Clippers huge. now, too. Remember, he's like a special whatever,
0: right? He's That'd a consultant, so it doesn't. He very well could be there on on team business. Yeah, that well, just maybe that's just what. Little, maybe that's all he's consulting. Just
1: now. a little, you know, a little something, something on that one. You know, I mean, that would be kind of cool to see KG there. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what
0: happens. But I hope we see. I I hope we see that and more. You know, I hope that. I hope we see Antoine Walker. For God's sakes, bring bring, all of his boys. You know, Malta McCarty. Yeah. (laughs) That's what's got to happen. All right. Let's see if our predictions come true. We'll be back next week, everybody. That's going to do it for the show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin. That's me, at CSL underscore Duke. That's John. (laughs) Big thank you for everybody tuning in. You can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is very important to us. And today's show brought to you by numerous sponsors. That's right, ZipRecruiter.com, BlueApron.com, and Audible.com. Three great sponsors that continue to keep Celtic Stuff Live moving forward. Make sure that you support them. They have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, like I said, you'd be supporting our show, getting us back here each and every single week, as well as the entire CLNS Radio Network. A big thanks to the audience who makes it all worthwhile, and for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer, Gary H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtics Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.